welcome to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. Our hope is that you are blessed and that your relationship with God continues to grow and flourish. The next voice that you'll hear will be that of Bishop Brown. Thank you for listening. Um, I want to continue looking at this idea of living love, living love and before we can live love, uh, we've got to come into contact with the source of love. Uh, and we, we studied last week from 1 John chapter 4, and we noted two particular, two specific verses, verses 8 and verse 16, uh, where we discovered uh, that God is love. Can we all say that together? God is love. Yes, he is. God is love. Um, so let me uh, just breathe a word of prayer. Let's read our passage for this morning. And uh, we're going to have you out of here well before 2 o'clock. I promise you that. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you afresh for the written, spoken, and living word of God. Teach our minds. Control our emotions direct our wills, govern our behavior, and in the process, transform our lives. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray and praise you. The people of God said amen. Would you stand and turn with me to, uh, you can read it from memory, or you can recite it from memory, or you can read it as you have it, but let's read that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have amen. You may have your seats with your Bibles open. Everything I want to share will come from this one verse primarily. Um, I believe it was Shakespeare who said, there are sermons in stones, meaning that, um, that no matter where you look in life, uh, I don't know if this is what Shakespeare meant, but anywhere you look in life, you will see the handprint of God. One of the great truths, in fact, I would dare say the greatest truth to learn, to know, and appreciate about God is that God is love. That's God is love. Fact about it, if I want to put this sermon in a sentence, it would be that God is what God does. And let me rewind that. God is what love does and love is what God does. Something like that. It's a sermon in a sentence. Everything I want to talk about can be summarized in those joint phrases that God is what love does and love is what God does. It cannot be separated. It cannot be divided. It cannot be disconnected. Love is who God is. Um, 
And because love is who God is, everything that God does is love. But wait a minute, because it's raining and storming outside. <laughs> Hold on a minute, because I've had death in my family. Wait just a minute, because somebody's spouse walked out on them. What do you mean God is love? Would a loving God allow my loved one to be in trouble or to get sick or to, to die before I want to let them go? Would, would a loving God allow the oppression and suppression that takes place, that has taken place in the world at large, in America in particular, Come on now, what do you mean God is love? Have you ever run into any of those kinds of arguments with people who can't seem to wrap their minds around the reality that, that if God, in the words of my, my pastor's book, if God is so good, why are blacks doing so bad? I think fundamentally we have a misunderstanding of what love is. Um, we, we in English use the same word to describe a lot of different things. And one of those words that we use to describe a lot of different things is love. You know, we talked about this last week. I love pizza, I love my wife, I love the Lord. How can those three there are various types of love, the highest of which is agapao. Agapao. It, it means a minimum of emotion. This is for review. A maximum of commitment, seeking the best good for the object of your concern by doing what needs to be done with a spirit of self-sacrifice even when you don't feel like doing it. Love. I'm sure I share with you this. It's still applicable. My, when we had our children, especially my firstborn, uh, brand new baby boy, first time parents and all of that, and uh, wife was home taking care of him all day for a while, and, um, you know, she was, she was tired. But, um, but uh, we, we would put the baby in his crib in his room and we had that little monitor going and uh, we'd be there sleep three four in the morning y'all don't know nothing about this we, we we finally get to sleep and 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 we hear the baby crying we hear the baby crying we didn't need the monitor to hear him crying, but we had a monitor. He's in there crying, and, and uh, we didn't feel like getting up. It was, there was nothing in either one of us that said, oh, we get a chance to get up out of this warm bed and, and go and tend to our... We didn't, we didn't feel like getting up. Wife had been up all day working with him. I had been to work, and... Uh, and uh, and that's the way it was, but the baby is crying. And, uh, and because of my great love for my son, 
I would, I would, I would hunch my wife and say, baby, go check on your son. Because I loved him so much, I wanted him to have the very best of care. Isn't it amazing, though, how when you really love somebody, you don't even count the cost. You do whatever it takes to meet the need of the object of your concern. So it is with God. So it is with God. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm taking the most time right now because once I start, we're going to be done in short order. This is simple. You know the passage. You know the context. John is writing uh, uh, regarding uh, Jesus' life and work and words. And a man by the name of Nicodemus shows up at night. He is one of the Pharisees, one, part of uh, the Sanhedrin. Uh, he's smart. He's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's um, well-known. His status is high. And yet he comes to Jesus by night and, and he talks about how he, un he understands who Jesus is, that, 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 that he's, he's sent from God because no one can do the things that he has done except they be sent from God. And it's as if, as if Jesus didn't hear any of that, but Jesus drills down to the nitty and the gritty of the situation and... Uh, and he starts talking about something that Nicodemus didn't even, didn't even articulate an interest in, but somehow Jesus understood the emptiness in Nicodemus and did not speak to what Nicodemus was speaking to, but he summed up everything that Nicodemus would ever want to talk about when Jesus says in John 3.16, for God. See, at the end of the day, no matter what our specific issues are, they are all satisfied and answered with those two words, for God. For God. Let, let me tell you something, beloved. No matter what you're dealing with in your life right now, no matter how great the trauma, no matter how much the drama, there is a for God that is already ahead of you working on you in the situation. I have, I have had to grow up, I'll be honest with you, because I, I once upon a time had a mindset that said, since God loves me so much, then uh, he is going to make me happy all the time. Has anybody yet debunked that erroneous theory? God's love is not about my happiness. <laughs> God. God is not interested in my happiness. He is interested in my holiness. And what God does is he loves me with his irresistible love that takes me from where, that takes me as I am. And once I put myself in his hand, he makes me a, uh, who he wants me to be. And it is a process. 
Somebody please say it's a process. It's a process. My, my salvation is immediate. My sanctification is a process for God. Um, for God. For, for God. I, um, I've preached this text I don't know how many times. And every time I do, there is, there is a, a, I won't say a new revelation, but there is a, I see something different. Let me tell you what I see this time. He, he opens this verse, which again is a part of a larger pericope, but, 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 but this verse is so powerful. Um, in fact, over the, the chasm of the years, this verse has been uh, declared as one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. I, I don't know how you evaluate one verse over another, but, but what, let's look at what you have packed into this one verse. Um, you've got God, who's the greatest lover, so loved, that's the greatest degree, the world. That's the greatest number that could ever be reached. All, all of this is in this in this, one, in this one passage. And so as we look at it, I want us to, 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 to take it piece by piece or section by section. The, the first section says, for God so loved the world. It's the soul for me. It's the soul that describes the magnitude of his love. It's the, the little word S-O that separates God's love from anybody else's because somebody else may indeed love. But in the words of my foreparents, can't nobody do me like, well, I changed the words a bit. Can't nobody love me like Jesus. So, so he says, for God so loved who? The world. It is critical that we understand in this verse that the word world is cosmos. It has to do with, it, it has many different connotations. Uh, but in this passage, the, connotations, the connotation is God loved humanity. God so loved humanity. When he talks about world, he's not talking about dogs and cats. He's not talking about uh, uh, trees and, and, and the sun, the moon, and the star. He's not talking about all of those inanimate objects. He's talking about uh, the people that he created. And in this context of this, first, of this section, uh, it says, it teaches us which people he loved. So God so loved the world. Now understand this, the world in this context is fallen humanity. Fallen humanity. You know who we are in Adam. Fallen humanity. Sinful humanity. Messed up humanity. And everything that, that we experience in life uh, that, that we would consider negative uh, is a result of uh, us being fallen humanity. Even though we're saved, we still deal with the consequences, at least some, of being a fallen people. We get sick because we're fallen. We die because we're fallen. We, we, we sin now. Guess why? Because we're fallen. 
We carry with us this body of death every day. Our fallen selves, as long as we are in this flesh, is a part of us. So for God so loved fallen humanity, what in the world does God have to do with fallen humanity? Because while we looked at the world, the word world in the text, we also have to look at the word God in the text. And the word God in the text indicates uh, that, that, that this is uh, the uncaused cause. This is uh, the creator, the sustainer, the perfect and righteous one, the one without any blemish or any sin, any stain. He is righteous. He is altogether lovely. We're talking about God now. There is nothing dark in God. There is nothing but light in God. God is perfect and he is perfectly God. So then the question begs to be asked and answered, why does a perfect God have anything to do with an, an imperfect me? Why does, why does somebody that is so righteous, so loving, so perfect deal with imperfection? Well, because he created me. And though he did not initially create me to be the fallen person that I am, he gave me freedom of choice. I'm really going back to Adam, but I was in Adam when Adam messed up, so it was me that made the decision as well. He gave me the freedom to choose to obey him or not to obey him. The only thing God does not give me the freedom to choose are my consequences. No, he, he holds that in his own hands, uh, and it's baked into the fabric of life. But, but, but when I choose uh, him, uh, then, uh, then some of the consequences of my sin uh, I never have to deal with. Look, when God saved me, uh, he saved me from uh, the penalty of sin, he saved me. He is saving me from the practice of sin. In other words, I'm not sinless, but I do sin less. Somebody catch that on the way home. And then one of these days, I'm going to be free from the very presence of sin. But until then, I have to deal with the consequences of my disobedience. And so, there's so much I can say right there, but I got to move forward. And so, we've got, we've got this perfect and righteous God who loves, who loves minimum of emotion, maximum of, of commitment, seeking the best good for the object of his concern, doing what needs to be done, even when he doesn't, when we don't feel like doing it. So, here in this text, there's, there's, there's three simple things I want to, I want to lift up for us and, uh, and uh, if I can find it, boy, I tell you, I got it. I just can't get to it. Um, thank y'all so much. If y'all want to go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> boy, that, electronics, they'll do you good, but 
All right. Uh, I'm going from memory. So here in this verse, what we have then, as God demonstrates his love, we have the reality that number one, God's love seeks, God's love seeks imperfect people. Talk about love now. God's love seeks who? Imperfect people. I wish I had an imperfect person in the house besides me that could say amen right there. I wish, see, y'all sitting there like, yeah, he sure does love them imperfect people, boy. They, ooh, thank God he loves all y'all imperfect people. No, that's, that is a passage that applies to me, to you, to Lottie, Dottie, and everybody. How dare we, how dare we even think? We're sitting there trying to think of all the imperfect people we know. Yeah, you know, old Jim. Jim's kind of messed up there. But, but, you know, but, 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 but Betty, Betty's got real issues. Well, you know, Jim. Yeah, and look, the reality is if you start out and go any further than yourself, you have already proven that he died for you. <laughs> he seeks imperfect people. I'm so glad. For God so loved the world, but the world in this context is imperfect, fallen humanity. Well, let's keep reading. Because what, what, what real love has to do is it has to do something about a situation. You can't love me and see me struggling and don't come to try to help me get through my struggle. Don't, don't tell me, don't, uh, where are my, my young sisters? Where y'all at? Young single sisters. Uh-huh. I, I see y'all. Yeah, yeah. Listen, when the knucklehead talks about how much he loves you and there are no works, there are no works of love, then it's not love. Is not love. It can be, I really like you. It can be, I really lust you. But if it's really love, then it, I mean, God kind of love, the highest love, then it's got to fit the grid of a minimum of emotion. It, 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 it ain't about you giving me my, my palms sweating and my butterflies rumbling. No, it's a minimum of that, but it's a maximum of commitment. And that commitment is, is demonstrated by doing what needs to be done for the, for the best good of the object of your concern. Now, the best good for them. When last time you had a, a brother, I'm still talking to the sisters. It applies to the sisters, too, the other way, but, you know. Um, when, <laughs> when the last time, when the last time you, 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 you had a brother, you know, who, who made such a commitment to you, look, without requiring something in return. 
I'll wait. I'll wait. No. At best, in most cases, it is it boils down to I I love you as long as you're showing me love based on my criteria. I'm trying to say a lot without saying it. I, I wish y'all interpreted the, the brown text. I love you. But wherever there's a but, get your butt out of there. Yeah, so, 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 so here, here, God's soul, he loves soul. That soul is a small but big word. Yeah, and so here we've got the, the, the perfect and righteous God who seeks, he seeks the imperfect person. Let, let me put it like this. God seeks he seeks uh, people who are at our worst. That's what God does. He, 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 he finds people who are at their worst. Fact about it, before we were ever born, God was already seeking. You have been pursued since before you were an embryo. God was chasing after you. God was pursuing you with his unconditional love. God Almighty. When is the last time you pursued somebody that didn't have something to offer you back? Because those are the kind of deals we tend to make. When was the last time you, you sacrificed whatever you had to sacrifice in order to help somebody that was, that was way in your minds beneath you? As we celebrate Martin Luther King, what, what, what tends to blow my mind, what, what makes it sometimes hard for me to understand his, his mindset, um, is, that, is that he taught a love ethic that... that that really demonstrated love for humanity, even the humanity that was oppressing him and his people. And some people may say, no, he's a sellout. Some people might say, no, it takes strength to love. All right, so, 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 so plant that right now in your spirit that, that, for God so loved the world uh, can, be, can be shaped in a sentence that says, uh, God seeks, what did I just say? God seeks that. But wait, but wait, because, because just to make that statement would be incomplete. Well, for God, it would be complete. But the reality is, is that when the, te when the text says he so loved the world, uh, it goes on to explain and expand um, what that love looked like. So, so he seeks us at our worst, but watch what he does. That he, come on, it's in your Bible too. That he gave. Well, what did he give? 
his only son. This is, this, is, this is tricky language right here, his only son, because God has many sons through this one son. Um, um, uh, the King James says his only begotten son, um, and, and there's some challenges even with that language, but, but that we're not going to deal with today, but we may deal with it in, so, in, uh, in Wednesday works, word works. I didn't forget my own title. Um, but, but, but for now, suffice it to say, and I'm not saying this is wrong by any means. I'm saying uh, this text is true. It is right. It is pure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son. Man's condition, our condition, my condition was so jacked up that, 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 that no amount of my sacrifices, no amount of what I could bring to the table, no amount of my being good or doing good could suffice to take care of the penalty of my own sins. There's nothing I could do to help my salvation situation. We, we live in a day and in an era, and I'm always listening, and there's always somebody that's going to talk that talks about, um, uh, um, uh, I ain't going to let that send me to hell or something like that. Anybody ever heard those kind of terms? Oh, I ain't going to hell for him. Let me tell y'all something. I ain't going to hell, period. Y'all ain't clapping with a lot of confidence that you're not going to hell. I'm not going to hell under any circumstance, under any condition. Uh, there is nothing uh, in this station in my life uh, that can send me to hell. You know why? Because my not going to hell uh, is not based on my capacity uh, to keep me from going to hell. In other words, uh, there's somebody bigger than me uh, that, that, that I'm in his hands. And nobody, not even me, can pluck me out of his hand. I'm just trying to find one or two people. I just want to see three or four folks uh, that can understand this is not a statement of arrogance. This is a statement of assurance. I'm sure that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. I, I declare that I'm saved. But before you talk, go tell somebody where well, he think he's something, something, something. I don't think I'm nothing but somebody that's the object of God's love. That he gave his only son for me. I don't know. I got to check back over my mental files. There's not too many people to be safe that has ever given me, this lady right here probably, but, but, but I don't recall many times when somebody gave me the best that they had, the last that they had. Um, you know, uh, not like God did. God loved me so much that he gave me his son. Okay, okay, y'all gonna, I got this hot jacket on, this turtleneck, and y'all gonna sit there like that. God loves me. Now, I'm waiting on you to catch on and recognize that he loves you 
the self-same way. And if you come to grips with the reality of how much he loves you, uh, I don't know how we sit still in this place. How do we sit still in the house of the one uh, that gave everything he had, gave the best, gave the best, he gave the best he had uh, for the worst that I am? He, he gave me uh, the best available remedy for the worst possible recipient. God. I, I know, I know because of our fallen state, I, I know we have issues, right? We do. We do. Come on, say we do. If you don't think you do, your issues are greater than you know. But, but if, we could, if we could just really catch a real glimpse of how much he loves you. Just how much you are loved. And, and we cannot discount. In fact, the, the, the main reason why we struggle with stuff like this is because the enemy has darkened our minds and our understanding and has given us a, a different narrative than what the word communicates. See, the, the, the enemy spends his time, once he loses the battle of our salvation, then uh, he spends his time and his energy uh, reminding me of who I was before I got saved. And when, you know, when you take me back there, well, it wasn't a good place for me to be. But I don't live there anymore. I don't live there anymore. I'm, look, I don't live where I used to live, the way I used to live, the thinking I used to have. I don't live there anymore. Now, I ain't saying I got it all together now. The difference between the two lives is that one life was outside of Christ, but my life now is inside of Christ. You know what I learned? I learned about Noah's Ark. Every animal was in that ark for... 150 days? 150 days. Every animal was in the ark, the clean ones and the unclean ones. And whether they were clean or unclean, guess what they did in the ark? Every animal. Every animal did in the ark what every animal does, what even we do. It eliminates the waste. You got an ark full <laughs> Of waste and you you know and his family were in the ark in the midst of the stench but guess what I'd rather be in a stinking ark and saved than to be outside the ark drowning the point I'm making is uh, it has been stated uh, that the body of Christ and specifically the church of Christ, the ark of safety and all of that, uh, 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 it, it has been said that it's full of imperfect people. That's true. But I would rather be an imperfect person in the safety of Christ uh, than to be what I would consider perfect outside of Christ. I, I don't know if y'all are following where I'm, where I'm, where I'm trying to go, uh, but, but I need us to grasp how great the love of God is. God's love pursued us. 
And God's love sacrificed the very best for the very worst. There's one more thing I see. For God so loved the world. Next time you read that, don't just say, for God so loved the world. For God so loved. Do this also. Scratch out the word world and write your name right there. For God so loved Brown that he gave the best he had. That purpose clause. Whoever, whoever. It's important that we understand whoever. Because sometimes church folk act like we have paid our way into some exclusive club. And we carry ourselves like we're not contributing any of the stench in the ark. No, that stench you smell, that could be, that's probably mine. That's probably mine. I'm in the ark. I'm saved and I'm safe, but I stink. It's a stinky ark. But it's a safe ark. But it's a stinky ark. Judson is a beautiful church. But we stink. And that's okay. This is the place for stinking people. This is the place for messed up people. This is the place for miserable people. This is the place for people with issues. This is the place. In the words of Frankie Beverly, this is the place, y'all. This is the place. It's Sunday morning, y'all. Y'all don't know nothing about that. All right, so look. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That, 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 that is what's called a purpose clause, which means it's going to explain the purpose of what was previously said. Well, what's the purpose? That, who Ever, whosoever, who whichever, whoever does what? Believes. Mm. Wait a minute. You've given the best that you had for the worst that I am. And you're telling me that it, it don't cost me no money. It doesn't cost me, uh, I, I don't have to. I don't have to get myself together beforehand. I don't have to, I don't have to. Whoever does what? Believes. 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 Whoever believes. Hmm. What does that mean to believe? Glad you asked. The word belief here in the original language is also the word for faith. Pistis. And has the idea of 
believing in an internal way that results in outward evidence. It's, 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 it's trusting. But, you know, trust means nothing while it's just in your mouth. There's a tight, a tight rope walker who, who, who was walking across the Niagara Falls. Had the big stick and all of that and shoes and all that. And there was a big crowd and they were just excited and all that. He turns around and said, how many of y'all think I can walk across this? Because he's done it before. How many of y'all think I can walk across this wire and get to the other side? Oh, yeah, that was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, okay, I want one of y'all to come and get on with me. You don't believe unless you're, you're willing to get on with him. It's, who grew up with the phrase, talk is cheap? And it is. So whoever gets on with Jesus, whoever believes in him should not perish, but everlasting life. So God seeks the worst of who we are. And God, and not only does he seek the worst that we are, but then, but then God sacrifices the best that he has. He seeks the worst. He sacrifices the best so that ultimately he, substitute, he substitutes his life with ours or our life with his. That's the way it should go. He substitutes my miserable life for his merciful life. He did a switch. And the life that I was living is no more. And I'm not talking about the, 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 all of the specific issues of my life, all of the ins and outs, but it's the general course of my life. See, right now, I know you think I'm an American citizen. I'm a US citizen. I suppose I am. But to be honest with you, my citizenship <laughs> is greater than that. My citizenship is uh, the kingdom. That, that's where I live. I live in the I am a resident. I am a, I live in the kingdom of God. And being a citizen of the kingdom of God, no matter where I am physically in the world, I live by kingdom rules. I live according to, uh, I live according to kingdom principles. And, it, and the awesome thing about kingdom principles is they work wherever you physically are, but, but wherever you physically are, you will stand out among everybody else who's not a part of that same kingdom. You ever seen how strange you look outside of church? When you leave Judson, when you leave your house and go out into the world, uh, you look different. 
And, and, and for those of us who are maybe newer to this thing, you will, you will resort back to talking the way you used to talk so you'll fit in better. I'm sure trying. He seeks the worst of us. He sacrifices the best of himself. And then he substitutes his life or our life for his. How are you supposed to say that? I can't. Let me. But, but that, that phrase, whoever believeth, that's critical. See, he died for everybody, Jesus did. He died for every, the sacrifice is for the worst of us. So you can't be so bad that the sacrifice is not applicable to you. But even though he did all the work, there's one thing required that we believe. And if you don't believe that he loves, and if you don't believe that he sacrificed, you will never receive the life that he wants you to have. My family and I, after church one Sunday, many years ago, we, um, you know how in church, in the afternoon services, they have food, and they had packed up food for us, because we, you know, wife is vegan, and there's just too much drama, so we, she, we, they, we just said, no, just pack it up and we'll take it, and really we weren't that hungry, and so we're on the way home, and we were somewhere around Lamert Park. And, you know, there's a heavy uh, homeless population. People who are at their worst. We had some food. Big boxes of food. A bunch of food we had. And we see this guy digging in the trash can. I said, hey, babe, pull over right there. She was driving. Pull over right there. And let's see if we can be a blessing to this brother. And uh, I'm tired. I didn't preach twice or so that day, but I want to be a blessing. So I'm, I get out the car with my bags, expecting, you know, I'm trying to be a blessing. And I said, excuse me, sir, excuse me. He comes out of the can. I said, um, I have some food that uh, I'd love to give you. And I was expecting to hear something like, Oh, man, I'm so grateful. I was, I was expecting to hear something like, man, I, you, you don't, I'm in the trash can right now. You came right on time. The Lord must have said, I'm waiting to hear that. That's not what I heard. I'm talking about these bougie homeless people y'all got out here. This man says to me, when I said, sir, I have some food. Would you like it? He says, it was hot food. That's right. It was hot still. He says to me, well, what is it? I wasn't even sure I heard. I said, huh? Well, well, what you got? What is it? And I really, <laughs> the part of me that didn't get saved wanted to say, whatever it is, it beats your menu. Couldn't give it to him. Couldn't give it to him. There was, there was going to be no charge for him. All he had to do was receive it. And I promise you, it was going to be the best thing he had eaten that day. Because I don't know what they keep in the can, but I'm guessing it was best. 
Do you not know there are some people that are going to hell? Because God has said to the world, uh, ma'am, sir, I've got something that's good for you. I got something that I want to bless you with. I've got something free of charge to you, but it cost me a whole hell of a lot. It cost my boy, it, it cost me giving up, it cost me, but I want to give it to you for free. And, 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 and we're talking about, well, what is it? We're talking about, um, well, what church I got to go to to get it? We're talking, we are acting like we're doing God a favor by receiving Jesus Christ. And I need somebody to leave here today understanding that the best gift ever is Jesus Christ. And, and, and the best giver ever is God the Father. And, and the, the bestest, freest gift is Jesus Christ, my Lord. How dare we ask, what is it? The reason that we are still without Jesus in many cases is that we're too smart for our own good. But I decided when Jesus was presented to me at 22 years of age, the life I had been living wasn't worth living. And whatever Jesus had to offer had to be better than what I was already experiencing. Is there anybody here that got a testimony that when you traded your miserable life for the life of Christ, your life has never been the same? Wish I had one or two testimonies that I came to Jesus just like I was, weary, worn, and sad. But I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. Is there anybody in the house that's glad right now? Is there anybody in the house that's happy right now? I sing because I'm happy, and I sing because I'm free, and I'm looking for one or two folks who will just testify by praising God right now that you've got Jesus, that you've tried Jesus, that you've accepted Jesus, and you have tasted the love of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Ain't he good? Ain't he sweet? Ain't he all right? The love of God, the love of God, the love of God has changed my life. The love of God has caused me not to be sinless, but to sin less. As a matter of fact, the more I walk with God, the less I want to sin. Is there anybody here? For God so loved the world that he gave 
his totally unique son that whosoever believes in him not just should not, will not perish, but will have everlasting life. God sought the worst that I was and sacrificed the best that he is and substituted my miserable life with his wonderful life. And I don't, I don't praise him like I ought to. I don't worship him like I ought to. Because reality is, is I ought to be running around this building, this community. I ought to be doing every kind of somersault and whatever else I could physically do to demonstrate how much I love him. But I, I wouldn't even know what love was until I knew God. And so when we talk about living love, we're living with the knowledge, with the presence of the almighty king who dwells within. We ought to be the most humble yet confident people on the planet. We ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. We ought to be characterized as people of peace and people of power and people of purpose. And because God so loved, then we ought to so love. How dare we receive his unconditional, unlimited, undeserved love and not be a channel to others in need? How did we get to the place where somebody that's homeless or hopeless or whatever less is beneath us? Who told us not to let somebody um, that's homeless sit by you in church? Really? We was just in the garbage can ourselves. We were in the dump heap of life. And you may have been, you may have come from a nice middle-class family with all the accoutrements that go along with that, but in God's eyes, you stank. But in spite of our stench, God, through Jesus Christ, just wrapped his arms He just wraps his arms around each and every one of us. And we dare <laughs> to not worship him. We would dare to not give and sacrifice to him. We <laughs> Again, 
consequences of the fall is when we don't even fully appreciate the Lord who rescued us. But the more we spend time in his word, that's why the enemy doesn't want you in his word. That's why he makes you go to sleep when you're trying to read your Bible reading plan. That's why, I'm telling you, that's why the trip here on a Wednesday night seems so far. But you will travel twice as far to do less as much. Ephesians 2 says, our minds have been darkened by the enemy of this world. So, beloved, God is love. Amen. Let's, let's stand, if you would. Let's stand, if you would. The reason why I, 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 I always ask you to stand after a message is because standing when you've been sitting is is an ocular demonstration that at least you're willing to move. <laughs> when you hear God's word, it ought to compel us to move from where we are to closer to him. So even standing, it, it, it teaches our minds that when you hear the word of God, I need to make a move. I need to do something different. And beloved, I don't know about you, but when I look at my life right now, I know I got some, I have some growing to do. Yeah, because all that comes across my lips don't always make it to my hands and feet. And I'm, I, want, I want there to be no variance between God's word, my mind, my heart, and my hands. What about you? You want to join me in living love? And I'm going to tell you up front, this part of it may seem real sweet because we're talking about God loving us. But as we continue in this series, we will begin to talk about, to talk about us loving humanity. And... Uh, so when we get to that point, don't wear your good clothes. Wear your jeans. I'll give you heads up. You gotta, you know, wear your wear your wear your wear your work clothes. Well, no, y'all bougie working people. Wear your wear your plate. No, I can't say your play clothes because I don't know what that's gonna look like. We'll we'll give you a list of what. Because we've got to impact the community, and we can't impact out there in here. Father, we thank you for loving us. To any, anybody else, we were and are unlovable. But Lord, you see through all the worst that we are. And you sent the best that you are in Jesus Christ. And the life that is now ours because of you. Oh, God. It doesn't even, there's no comparison of the life we lived before we met you 
to the life we now have. We may have less money, but we have more fulfillment. And so, Father, I pray that you would plant the seed of this word into each and every one of our hearts. And God, I pray that you will begin even right now causing us to appreciate and celebrate you because you are love. Love is who you are. And we want to be just like you. Somebody may be present today and has never even tapped into a relationship with you. Even though they may be digging in the trash cans of life. Lord, I pray this would be the day that somebody will come and say, I want that new life. I want that God life. I'm tired of living be below my potential. And I believe God through Jesus Christ can lift me and lead me and love me into greatness. If that sounds like you, I just want you to know that before uh, you leave today, we have trained counselors that can walk you through the process of going from death to life. And um, I urge you not to put that off till next time. Because this could be your last next time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, would you celebrate God? Thank you for listening to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. We hope that you were blessed. If you would like to accept Christ, join our church, help continue the work we are doing in our ministries, watch live on Sundays, find us on social media, or give online, you can visit the link in the episode description. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.